Herod. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Titimus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that, he was Je- that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Excuse me for a brief second. Have you ever been in a place where your sight has been messed with? Where you're not seeing things as clear as you would like to see? Uh, A momentary vision loss, perhaps. A a time where maybe you've lost your glasses and you just can't see like you should see. Where are my glasses? I remember a a friend of mine, um, (laughs) well, her mom lost her glasses and she couldn't find her glasses anywhere and she began to rebuke the devil and and correct him and chastise him and, and call him all sorts of names for hiding her glasses on her and she turned to her grandchildren and said because they, they said what are you doing Nanan? and she says I can't find my glasses that, that enemy and they says Nana it's on the top of your head it's on the top of your head I had a brief experience with uh, the vision issue so my daughter when she got married in September I decided that um, oh it's not good to cry <laughs> do I have raccoon eyes anyways um, I decided that um, it might not be good to wear my glasses because they tint in the Sun and so that would mess with all the family photos there's mom with her tinted glasses could she not have taken them off for the family po- photos so I thought I'm gonna do something special I'll go get contacts I'll go get contacts I make the appointment the month before I get all lined up had my vision checked my prescription had changed blah 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 okay I'm gonna get contacts went through the appointment learning how to put them things in your eye and then take them out do you know that's a whole ordeal it's not as easy as it looks and um, so anyways they book you and they they say for this much money you have an hour to learn how to put them on, and an hour to a follow-up appointment to make sure you know how to take them off. And any time in the next year, if you need to have any rehearsal or, or practice, you can come in with this money. Okay, so, well, anyways, I got those things on. That was another ordeal. You would think because I had the lens right on my eyeball, I would see the world in a 2020 scope. Perfect. She puts the card in my hand and she said, read. And I'm like, what? 
I couldn't see nothing. I, I, it, for the life of me, I could not see. And she says, oh, we're going to have to try another type of lens because da 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 Okay, I don't even care about the da 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 I don't even remember it. So we tried another type of lens with the same prescription. Still couldn't see. She says, oh, it's okay. As your eyes adjust to the lens being right on the eyeball, you will gradually see better and better. Go home, and uh, as the day progresses, you'll see better and better while you drive home, when you got new contacts on. It's like, Jesus, there's a light ahead. I see a light ahead, but help me to stop at the right spot. I, it didn't improve any. It didn't improve any. She says, every day this week, you wear your contacts, by the time your daughter's wedding comes, you'll be okay, you'll be fine to see. Well, my daughter's wedding came. And you know those beautiful photos where you gotta take a picture of you buttoning her dress? I couldn't see the button. <laughs> I couldn't see the button. I had the lens on my eyeballs. <laughs> and I couldn't see the button. And my daughter says, Mom, why would you have done that? Because if I wore my glasses, you would have said, why did you wear your glasses? Our sight is something we cherish, and it's not until we are without it that we realize the world is a whole different perspective. All of a sudden, when we don't have our eyesight, we see things much differently. And that was the case of our man, Bartimaeus. Oh, some of you may have already thought, oh, we're learning about Bartimaeus. I know this story already. He gets healed. Yeah, he does. But there's a whole lot more that went on in the text that maybe sometimes we glance over and miss because we think it's just about a blind man who was healed. First of all, this miracle takes place in Jericho. While Jesus is en route from Jerusalem, he is going to stop in Jericho. What is so special about Jericho? In those days, Jericho was a fresh water city. It was considered a city of oasis, the city of palms. And in other words, it was maybe our version of Florida where you would go to, to be in warmth, or maybe Jamaica if you are Brother Carlton and Sister Novlet and some of our other Jamaican brethren and sisterin. But it was an oasis place. It was a place that you went maybe for rest. It was a rich man's city. And in other words, there were so many rich men that the poor people would be those such as a Bartimaeus and they would line the streets begging. Know of any rich cities in, in Canada? This was Jericho and Jesus is passing through and as he's passing through there is noise and there's a beggar sitting at the city gate and the beggar hears of that noise who is this beggar he's bartimaeus well what is bartimaeus's occupation he's a beggar he doesn't have any other occupation that we are told of we are not we are not given anything that 
At one time, he was a, a millwright. At one time, he was a farmer. And because of whatever accident, he has found himself there begging on the streets. We just know that his occupation is a beggar. And we know this, that there is Jesus who is entering into the city and Jesus' nature is going to be revealed to us because one thing about Jesus is he, ha he is sensitive to the one who society would say is the underdog. Society would say is the cast-off. The one that society would want nothing to do with. And so here is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is also expecting something to take place because he's hearing the sound of a crowd approaching. And upon hearing the sound of a crowd approaching, he asks, if you were to read in, in, in uh, Luke's rendition of the story, what's going on? And they told him that it was Jesus. And that's when he began to cry out. The other thing about Bartimaeus is the meaning of his name. The meaning of his name, Bartimaeus, means son of he who's highly prized, son of honor. There's also another meaning, because doesn't that kind of trip you a bit? He's a son of honor, yet he's found begging. He's a son of one who is most highly prized, yet he's found begging. There's another meeting to Bartimaeus. And this one fits a better in the picture of what Mark is presenting to us. And it is son of the unclean one. Son of uncleanness. You see, because to have your eyesight taken from you leaves you in that disability place. Leaves you in that disabled place. And so in that time... Because of this, he would have been regarded as part of the unclean ones because he was lacking something. He was lacking something most valuable, his sight. So Bartimaeus would represent you and I. How so? Because we are the unclean ones before we met Christ. We are the ones who without Christ we are lost in our sin. Without Christ we, we are full of sin and waywardness. It represents us because we are polluted by our sin. But because there was a father who highly prized us and who thought so highly of us, he sent forth his son. And because there was a Jesus who loved us, so much he willfully died for us and so today we are this blind bartimaeus this man that is going to call out jesus son of david have mercy on me so you can consider yourself this morning guy asked have you know do you know of any rich cities do you know it doesn't matter how rich you are how financially set you may be, how much of a great education you may have, it doesn't place you into the kingdom of God. If you stood side by side with a person who did not have any education, who was a beggar like a Bartimaeus, it doesn't put you in a better class system because without Jesus Christ, we are all doomed to perish. We are all doomed to eternal 
damnation. We are all doomed for hell if we do not have Christ. And so just because there were rich people in the city and just because they were not begging at the side of the road, they were not in a better place of, of um, stature than, than Bartimaeus. And that is for us to know today. You and I are not any better than the person next to us just because we may feel more educated, just because we may feel we have a better job, a better house, a better this, a better that. We are all in need of the grace and mercy of God. We are all in need of a savior. We are all in the same position as blind Bartimaeus sitting at an intersection of life, waiting for somebody to pass by and cut us a break. Waiting for somebody to pass by and take note of us. We are all a blind Bartimaeus. So let's engage just a little bit into this text. Because today, as we look into this text just a little bit, and we take some other perspective from it, there's healing for you. There's healing for you. There's freedom for you. Chains will fall off. The old self, things that held you captive will be released disease that has held you in pain will be released. Oh, now you're saying, uh, you know, I'm going to get healed, and then if I don't get healed, then, 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 then what do you have to say? No. We're going to walk it through, and we're going to believe. Your peace, your joy, your restoration today is found where? In Jesus Christ. It is not found in what you know. It is not found in the intellect of your understanding. Your peace and your joy is not found in your bank account. Your peace and your joy is found in Jesus Christ. Your anointing, your vision, your destiny, it's found in Christ's presence. For the one who is going to cry out to him this morning, he will meet your need. And so what, let's look. Jesus arrives at Jericho with his disciples. Now when we look at chapter 8 of Mark, we find out that Jesus healed another blind man. And that blind man's healing was in stages. When Jesus touched him, at first the man could only see in part. And then Jesus touched him again. And so then we say, Mark, why are you bringing us to another blind man? Why are you bringing us to another individual that needs healing of their eyesight? Are you challenging us to, to think that perhaps we didn't get it the first time? Are you challenging us to think that perhaps uh, the healing you did the first time with the first blind man wasn't sufficient for us to grasp your ability as a healer? Mark, why are you bringing it up again? What is the point of, uh, of you making this, this healing in the scriptures stand out to us? What, Holy Spirit, are you wanting to say to us? Jesus' reputation followed him without a doubt. Without a doubt, as he went from town to town, the word spread of his healing ministry. The word spread of what he did. 
And so verse 46 says, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. What is the first thing you and I, according to this text, are being told to do to this morning when we are in a place of just complacently sitting, waiting for our opportunity, in that place of waiting for our healing, in that place of waiting for our breakthrough? What is the text telling us to do that when Jesus comes in on the scene, when Jesus passes by, that we are to cry out to him? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You have a need this morning? What is your need? Don't call it out, but what is your need? Grab it in your mind and cry out, Jesus, son of David, I present that need to you this morning. I present my physical ailments to you this morning. Jesus, son of David, I present my job situation to you. Jesus, son of David, I present my finances to you. Jesus, son of David, I present my children to you. What is your need this morning? Because we are all a blind Bartimaeus. We are all in need of a master to come and turn and look towards us. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Cry out. Cry out to the throne of grace that you may find mercy, that you may find help in your time of need. Philippians 4, 6-7, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God and the peace of God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, but you don't understand. I've been praying about this for years. I've been bringing this ailment to God for years. How do you know today isn't the day of breakthrough? Why would you cut short today just because yesterday the answer didn't come? The peace of God. Don't be anxious about anything but with prayer and supplication. 1 John 5, 14 to 15, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears you. He hears you. He hears you. You need to know just because the answer didn't come your way, your how does not define him to be a deaf God. He hears you, and he is answering. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Oh, then why aren't I healed? Why haven't I received that job? Why didn't I get that breakthrough? Why haven't I come to that financial place? Because there are things that God is working out that you cannot see, Bartimaeus. 
You're too blind, Bartimaeus. So don't challenge God for not answering you. Your eyes cannot see with the scope that they need to see because you are blind. You are blind because we are all Bartimaeus this morning. And we're to cry out. Cry out to God with the word of God because he will hear your prayer and he hears your prayer. Bartimaeus knew that Jesus had done miracles and we know it to be true because he would not have cried out to him. He did not just hear that Jesus had done miracles. Evidently, he believed that the miracles that Jesus had done were factual miracles because he cried out. You see, you won't cry out in your time of need if you don't have a belief. You're not going to go to the ATM machine and put your debit card in if you don't know that there's something there that's going to come out. You will only go for something that you know there's going to be something that comes out of it. When you go to your fridge, you open the fridge and you grab for the milk. Why? Because you know that the milk is there. You know when you reach for it that it will be there for you to take. Bartimaeus knew. He had heard that Jesus had performed miracles. And when he heard the rustle of the crowd, he could not see, but he heard the movement of the crowd. And when he inquired, he was told it was Jesus. There was no hesitancy in his heart. There was no hesitancy in his voice. Jesus, son of David, cry out to him this morning. Cry out to him. What are you needing? Cry out to him. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? When he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, what did Jesus do? According to the text, it says that he stopped. He stopped. Fanny Crosby, you remember the famous singer, Blind. She had gone to the prison to do some prison ministry, and while she was there, um, ministering to the inmates, they had sang some of her songs. And as the morning or the time there ministering to them wrapped up, she was walking through the inmates in the room, and she heard one of the inmates crying out to God, Good Lord, do not pass me by. Good Lord, do not pass me by. She shared with her friend, William Doan, the account of this inmate, good Lord, do not pass me by. And her friend says to her, Fanny, you need to go home and you need to write a song. And so Fanny does exactly that. She goes home and she grabs her pen and she begins to write a hymn. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. 
Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Is that you? Trusting only in thy merit, would I seek thy face? Heal my broken spirit, save me by thy grace. Thou the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me, whom I have I on earth beside, whom in heaven but thee. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Is that the cry of your heart today? Don't pass me by, Lord. Don't pass me by. I remember the day of my ordination. I was standing at the altar in the church. The service was over. They had just prayed over us, and the speaker had spoken, and we were all invited to the altar. And as I was there, just lifting my hands and worshiping him, that weight of gravity of what it meant to get that ordination just weighed on me. I can't do it on my own, Lord. I can't do this calling without you. And there I remember specifically that day, I said, Lord, don't pass me by. While you're going to the others, while you're ministering in and through them to their congregations, Lord, don't pass me by. Minister through me, God. Use me, God. Don't pass me by. Because I can't do it in me. I can't do it in my knowledge. I can't do it in my understanding. God, if I don't have you, I cannot fulfill this call. Don't pass me by, Lord. Don't pass me by. Then we see Bartimaeus, the next thing that he does is he begins to press in. He begins to press in. He cries out. And what does the crowd beside him do? Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him, be silent. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. You know what I see happening here? The, cloud, the crowd rebuked him. Do you know the other time that this word, rebuke, is used in the context that it is used today in this verse 48 was in chapter 8. Verse 30, the last miracle after Jesus had performed with the last blind man, he and Peter have a 
conversation. And it says in verse 27, sorry, media team, I didn't give this to you, but 8, verse 27, and on to 30. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly recharged him to tell no man. Strictly charged him. He rebuked him. In this, it is the same word, this rebuke is um, epitome, epitimeo, epitimeo. Okay, so I'm not a Greek scholar, God forgive me. I got Greek blood in me apparently, but I am not a Greek scholar. Epitimeo, and epitimeo is used when Jesus would rebuke demons. Now could you put it together for a moment here with me? And many rebuked him. Who is telling Bartimaeus to be quiet? The enemy. The enemy will want you to shut up when you call out to God. The enemy will say to you, who do you think you're calling on? He hasn't answered you all these years. What you think because you called on him in church, he's going to answer you? And so the enemy will make mock of you. The enemy will give you to believe that you're calling out to an empty God. The enemy will speak lies into your ears. The enemy will want you to be silent in the workplace about your God. The enemy will want you to be silent to to those that are in your neighborhood, those that you go to school with. But God rebuked them. God rebuked them. Bartimaeus, as low as he was, and even though he had nothing, had wisdom enough not to listen to the voice of the enemy that was saying to him, shh, be quiet, shut up. Bartimaeus called out louder. Who are the naysayers? They are your destiny killers. They're your destiny killers. Those moments that you go to step out in faith, the naysayers, the ones that rebuke you are your destiny killers. And if you give ear to them, Bartimaeus, you will abort the work that God wants to do in you. Stop listening to the voice of the enemy. Stop giving him your ear. He is trying to kill what God is bringing to life in you. Oh, you thought it was just about a blind man getting healed, did you? You didn't know what was in those voices of the, shh, be quiet. Those who don't see you outside of who you really are. They put you in a box. Oh, this is what they're good for. 
I see these giftings in them. Give them that opportunity. Those people who don't want to see you advance in your next level, you know, perhaps some of you work with them. Maybe they're in the desk next to you. Maybe they're in the till two down from you. Maybe they're in upper management. Oh, they're blocking you. Maybe they're your spouse. Sadly, it could be. Maybe you, they're your family. Your family, because they don't believe in the God that you believe. They don't have the faith factor that you have. And so they shut you down every time you go to speak to them. How would we describe the voices that bombard our ears this morning? How would we describe the voices that want to stop us from getting closer to Jesus? How many times have you been in church and you just felt that liberty rising up within you like a bubbling brook? And you could not contain it. But for fear of what everybody around you would say, or for fear of how they would look at you, you contained yourself. Rebuke it. That's the destiny killer. Because when you jump in your freedom, when you walk in your wholeness, that step of hallelujah bursting out like that could bring freedom and deliverance to another. Perhaps when you shout out, Jesus, son of David, somebody who is being bombarded in their ear will be interrupted by the cry for Jesus in your shout. Oh, stop sitting around and babysitting your fear of what people will think and jump into the grace of God to walk in the fullness of what he has for you. What does it look like to press in? What does it look like to say, God, I'm not giving up until I see the breakthrough? God, I'm not giving up. I haven't seen the breakthrough yet, but I'm not going to give up either. Jesus, I'm not giving up. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on until I see the answer. <laughs> I'm pressing on. How's that song go? We're way new heights. I'm gaining every day. Oh, it's a hymn day. <laughs> But I'm praying as I onward go, my, let my feet on higher ground. Oh, you need to sing that. By grace on heaven's table land, a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Don't you love when God interrupts? I have no voice to sing, and so he puts a song in my head. It wasn't in my notes, and so he puts a song in my head. I'm going to make a fool because I don't remember the words, but he puts a song in my head. Why? Because somebody needed to plant their feet on higher ground today. 
Somebody needs to plant their feet on higher ground. My friend posted on Facebook yesterday. Well, I seen it yesterday. It could have been any day. Grace is when God gives us good things that we don't deserve. Mercy is when he spares us from the bad things that we do deserve. Blessings are when he is generous with both. What blessings are you holding back because you're not pressing on? You're not crying out and you're not pressing on because you don't want to be embarrassed. Blind Bartimaeus, I wonder if you're in that place today where deep within you is a cry to be touched by God. A deep, deep yearning in your heart. Savior, Savior, do not pass me by. You're pressing on because you have a need. You have a longing, so you're pressing on and you're pressing on. You have a hunger, and so you're pressing on and you're pressing on. And your cry becomes louder. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Whatever you're going through, cry out, press on. Cry out, press on. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crush in spirit. Sorry, media team, I did it again. I said another verse I didn't give you. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Jesus will meet us at our point of need. What is your need today? What is your need today? When Jesus stopped, what did he say to his disciples? Call him. Call him. Call him. And they called the blind man, and they said to him, Take heart. Take heart. He is calling you. Stop and listen. Do you hear him calling you? Do you hear him calling you today? Do you hear him saying, take heart? It is I. Take heart. Stop and listen. Remember, this is blind Bartimaeus. He is the son of the unclean one. He is the son of uncleanliness. He's blind. It means that he has a physical problem. But more than anything, it speaks to his spiritual problem. Bartimaeus comes to Jesus under his own power. Nobody took him by the hand. At least the scripture doesn't say it. It said, call him, and they called him. And Bartimaeus comes in his own power. And you know what he does? Do you know what he does? Oh, blind Bartimaeus, how much you've taught us today. He takes 
his cloak and he throws the cloak. You see that cloak? This cloak, that blind, I'm, I'm, the poor people watching online must be dizzy. The cloak that blind Bartimaeus had was all that he had. That's all that he had. Everything was there in his cloak. Do you know what, Tabitha? It was his identity. It was his identity. Society's trying to redefine the identity of God's people. But you know what I say to the society's identification crisis? Throw off the cloak. I'm not who you said I am. I am a child of the Most High. I am a daughter of the King. I am not what you clothe me to be. I don't have an identity crisis. That's what Bartimaeus is saying. He's saying to all those that are watching, I am done with being the blind man you called me to be. I am done with the identity you said I was, the son of uncleanness. I am done with every label you put on me. I am not that man. I am not that man because I cried out and I pressed on. And I pressed on to what? To higher ground. Because why? Where is at that higher ground? There is a Jesus. And what he called for me. I'm not that man. Stop clothing me as him. Stop putting me in that box. Stop limiting me by what you think that I can or can't do. You see, somebody led me to the street today to beg, but of my own power, I'm going to the Christ who has called me. Who are you today? Who is it here that is struggling because somebody has put a label on them? Who is it here that is struggling because you have been living limited? Throw off your cloak. Throw off your cloak. It's time, Bartimaeus. The master has called for you. He has called for you. He has called for you. You know what it made me think of? When I was reading this, it made me think of Lazarus in the tomb. You see, Jesus gets to the city in John chapter 11, and when he gets there, Martha says to him, oh, you know, master, like, you know, by now, Lazarus stinks. Like, behold, he stinketh. Uh, If we just want to be King James. Behold, he stinketh. And what did Jesus say? He said, it's funny, eh, Lydia? It's true. Behold, he stinketh. But not for anything. Have you ever smelt a dead body? 
It stinks. I, I've smelled one. It, it stinks. And Jesus, despite what she said in verse 44 of John chapter 11, he calls for Lazarus to come forth from the grave. And when Lazarus comes forth, what does he say? Let me get it. Did you not tell me that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Or did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? John chapter 11, verse 40 and onward. And so they took away, I'm sorry, my media team. And so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. I'm reading this on the account that you that are sitting here would believe that this story of Bartimaeus throwing off his cloak is for you to get a grip of the identity of who Christ has made you to be. And he says this, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Then the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. And what did Jesus say to him? Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. Some of us need to be unbound today. Some of us need to be let go today because we have been held by a cloak that has identified us as something that God has not determined us to be. It is not your destiny to be in a grave. It is not your destiny to wear grave clothes. Oh no, Lazarus, every Lazarus that is in this room, throw off your grave clothes. Every blind Bartimaeus, throw off your grave clothes. Throw off that cloak, press on, cry out, press on, and go to the Savior. Bartimaeus said that former representation of who I was no longer identifies me. I am not that man. And you are not that woman. And you are not that man. God has repackaged you through the blood of his son. Through the complete work of the cross, God has repackaged you to all who would believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved. Throw it off. Throw it off. We're wrapping up, believe it or not. What's the cloak? that ties you to a specific identity that somebody has said about you? Is it a grade school teacher that said you wouldn't amount to much? Is it a parent that through their years of abuse caused you to shut down? What is a cloak? pastor's been leading us through the series of modern-day Josephs. And in this series, 
we see Joseph has something very special that his dad gave him. It is a coat of many colors. And this coat identifies him to his brothers as what? Daddy's favorite. The one daddy loves. Blind Bartimaeus was leaving behind that former representation of himself. Today, when you leave this church, leave behind the former representation of yourself and lay hold of who God says you are. Redeemed, bought by the blood of the Lamb. Don't cling to your coat let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> oh, Disney, you have no place in church. Maybe your cloak is sin. I don't know what your cloak is. Maybe it, I, it's just something that identifies a broken area in your life. But get this as we close. You have to catch this. You see, you just really thought it was about a blind man on the side of the street who got his sight back because Jesus walked by and touched him and healed him. But guess what happens in verse 51? Verse 51 says that Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi. Oh, you see, you didn't get it either. All these years, I didn't either. Don't worry. But I got it now that I can tell you. He said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Do you know what we just saw happening here? Do you know what we just witnessed? Rabbi, Rabboni, teacher, teacher, if you teach me the way, teacher, if you teach me your word, teacher, if you teach me all that I need to know about you, I will be able to see all that I need to see. It's about a spiritual awakening. Rabboni, Rabboni, teach me who you are. Rabboni, teach me your word. Teach me the way that I may walk in it. Show me the path that I am to take. Rabboni, it's about your spiritual awakening today, brothers and sisters. Oh, there's a physical healing because as he followed Jesus, he was physically healed like that. But the greater work was what happened in his heart and his mind as the scales of religiosity came off. Because what did he do? He followed Jesus. He became a disciple of Christ. He followed him. He followed. Say specifically what you need. Cry out 
press in, say what you specifically need, throw off that old man, and you will recover the sight. You will recover what God wants to do in you. But it starts with this. Admit that you're a blind Bartimaeus. Admit that you've been walking in a place of spiritual blindness with the form of religiosity. Sometimes we get in this habit of praying where we're telling God the situation. Now you know, Lord, I pray for my child. Now you know, Lord, that today they are going to be going to, and it's as if Jesus is saying, I know, what do you want me to do? Just cut to the chase. Get all the details out. Clean up all the details. I don't need to know them. Guess what? I know them before they're happening. I know them before you were going to come to me. Now what is it that you want? Protection. Okay, got it. Say specifically what you want. Blind Bartimaeus said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. He specifically spoke to the teacher. I want you to teach me. I want you to heal me. He specifically spoke to his need. And brothers and sisters, when he said, Rabbi, I want to recover my sight, he was admitting. Admitting what? Once he saw. But something blinded him. Once you saw too. Something sideswiped you. Something T-boned you. And blinded you. From seeing how you needed to see. It's as if blind Bartimaeus, as I said, was saying, teacher, if you would teach me, if you would teach me, then my eyes would be opened and I would see. Are you calling out to Jesus to teach you today? When I sit down to prepare a Bible study or a message, I say, Lord, teach it to me, embed it deep within me so hard that I get it. Because if I don't get it, I can't deliver it. Teach it to me, Lord, so that I could teach it to others. Jesus tells him, go, your faith has saved you. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him. Jesus tells him, go, your faith has saved you. But that go was a following. That go was a following. It's the same, that, that going in the scripture text here is the same as following. It means to lead to the cross. <laughs> to lead to the cross. Following Jesus. Following Jesus right to the cross. Following Jesus and going to tell others of what he accomplished on that cross. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others, Lord, you are calling, do not pass me by. Cry out to him. Press into him. Throw off the old. 
and pray specifically. Father God, we come to you today. Lord, you see every heart. You see every heart that is here today. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, every chain of bondage to be broken off, every chain of insecurity and selflessness. Lord, break it off in the name of Jesus. Every religious spirit that is blinding your people, Break it off in the name of Jesus. Lord, we cry to you this morning because there are those within our church that need a physical healing. But God, you see beyond the physical healing to those that need a spiritual healing, those that need to recover their sight. In the name of Jesus, Lord, from center to circumference, God, I pray that you would shower over this place your healing ministry that every blind Bartimaeus would come out of his grave throw off his cloak in the name of Jesus and go home set free and delivered as the worship team ministers this song the altar is open because Jesus said, Melody, call them. Call them. Call them to come. And so I'm going to ask you to respond. Not to me. I have to respond of my own to respond to Christ who says come what do you need today what have you need of come 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 we have elders in the church that will minister to you and if they're not ministering to you because maybe they're in the place of coming to be ministered to that's fine you come deliverance for you today. Jesus has stopped at Logos today just for you.